For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. This is your moment. Your moment to move forward and make progress. It's time to see where an education can take you. For over 130 years, Strayer University has been at the forefront of change, offering programs that help students like you get ahead and stay ahead so you can keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by Chef. You are now tuned in to Believe. Do you believe? Hey, welcome to an On My Block podcast, the Green Bay Packers podcast with myself, Amon Green, and my co-host, good friend and teammate, Mike Wallman. Mike, how you doing? Hey, G, doing great, man. Yeah, trying to. I'm trying to hang in there. I'm having internet problems today, but so stick with me here, everybody. <laughs> got to make it happen. Yeah, we got to make it happen. It's on my cell phone here, so uh, I'm gonna hand it off to you because you got everything right there in front of you, and uh, we get this thing started. Absolutely, man. Let's start with this bet online read. Yep. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, including updated odds on the NBA and NHL playoffs. Major League Baseball fights and even next season's NFL futures. We got to talk about that UFC fight this weekend, by the way. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering needs, including live betting in your favorite Vegas casino and poker games. Super easy to get started. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to join and use our promo code Believe. That's B L E A V to receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. AG, did you watch? So I don't, I haven't bought a UFC fight in a long time and I didn't buy this one. Right. I made it a point wow. to go watch because so there was a couple big there was a couple big matchups in, in UFC, but I honestly one of my maybe one of my favorite fighters of all time, uh uh Yoani fought and lost to Zhang Wei, who's they're both just like incredible female competitors. And Yoana right. for years and years and years has just brought so much to the game as far as like talks an incredible amount of trash brings violence like she just right. brings violence and that's ufc yeah and she's she's like epitomizes everything that you want when you want to like pick a fighter that you're going to follow i've absolutely loved following her during her career she's had some amazing knockouts amazing uh, battles in the ring so congratulations to her on, on a wonderful she decided to retire after that fight she, she caught a, a, a spinning back elbow or back fist and knocked her out like face down cold it was pretty mm. nuts but yeah. um that's you, you fight long enough that's what happens 
And man, just yeah. congratulations to her on a, on a fantastic career, man. She's been so much fun to watch. Yeah, uh, yeah. Congratulations to her and seeing that spinning backhand hit. I've seen it over the years. Um, it is it causes a lot of damage. And if it's land just right, like it was on Saturday, yeah, you're gonna have that your opponent down on the ground real fast. And the one question I gotta ask is about mm-hmm. UFC. I say, what's the rule? I mean, because you not get knocked down and the referee doesn't even stop you. I'm like, what is the rep- they so, just beating you around? So, they, so yeah, that? they so it it's the rest determination of whether or not you're out. So like for example, for in this in this fight because she dropped face down, she was out. They just stopped. And a lot of times, right. what happens because these fighters they know it's a business. So like you you know if you go down the street and somebody starts fighting you, like you're trying to make sure they don't get back up. But these guys they they're they're not necessarily trying. They're trying to to beat the beat the human but not destroy the humans because this is how everybody makes their living. So mm-hmm. what you usually see now is let's say there's like a one, you know, one punch Mickey knockout, knockout, like there wasn't like that movie snatch, right? If Correct. there's a knockout like that, the guy or male or female just walks away, right? Unless yeah. the ref doesn't stop it. Now, if the ref doesn't do this, which they usually will, then they yeah. got to go over. And what you'll usually see is the guy like give him two, you know, like give, give him, you know, bag of chips. Give him a him yeah, look at him like Griff. You gonna call it and then pop him twice again. Like you're gonna call it, and the ref will stop it at that point. So anytime the guy's defenseless, the man or woman's defenseless on the ground, they'll right. they'll call. They do a re- they actually do a really really good job after it. So I, okay. I'm um, I'm generally I'm generally like pretty happy as a fan of the, the way they the way they do that. I think the conduct of of the referees is you know, that's probably as hard a a thing to ref as any sport in uh, that there is, just because of because of the, the constant. Um, I guess expectations for 100%. what the fans want to see versus like what the long-term damage to that person can be. Yeah. You got to make sure that you're there as a guideline, basically as a, a ref to make sure things stay, uh, look, still look good. And, but nobody gets that, you know, uh, longer hurt, hurt, you know, repair uh, injuries that got to heal longer to get back in the ring. So, so, so last week, AG, we had mandatory mini camp and usually this is kind of the, the rite of passage before summer. Um, it used to actually be this week. So I was, I was a little bit surprised. A lot of, a lot of teams are having it this week, but, but Packers had it last week. Right. And then they'll go back into voluntary work. Um, I'm not sure why Matt, Coach Matt LaFleur does that. But, um, you know, we've, we've talked about it before. You get done with this mandatory side. And now basically the players, the players who don't want to be there anymore can now leave until, until uh, training camp, which is now six, seven weeks away. And I think the, the big issue, obviously, everyone loves talking about mini camp. And, like, fans just love to eat this stuff right. up. We've talked about the preparation. But the, uh, as far as from a player standpoint, but one thing that keeps coming up now is – Alan Lazard's not there. We got a good look at all these rookies. Mm-hmm. Plus, um, I think Sammy Watkins. You know, he had some flight issues early on, but now we've seen him in. We've now we've seen him in a Packers uniform. Obviously, Randall Cobb's back, and so who's going to be lining up with this number one receiver? What that's going to go? And, and Aaron Rodgers had a great quote this weekend because he's basically got three veterans, and we're going to include mm-hmm. Lazard in that. And then he's got these these young guys, these three rookies in particular, that have a ton of. Uh, right. They have a ton of expectations, but but Rogers says, "quote We need to temper expectations and heighten the accountability." I think that's the most important thing for these guys. There's guys who've done some things in this league, and there's guys that haven't. So reasonable expectations for those guys, and then high expectations and accountability for the entire room. Love the way he said that. Just basically saying, "Listen, guys, we can we're going to sit here and talk and talk and talk and talk and talk." Yeah. But ultimately, the way that room conducts themselves and the people that conduct themselves in the most professional manner are the guys that are going to end up on the field playing for Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is basically saying, look, and I don't put up with a lot of nonsense. And so if you come and play, I'm going to like you. And if you don't, you know, you know what the expectations are right now. 
Yeah, and she he should be, and he's definitely uh, able to say that because he's been down the road, he's been to the Super Bowl, he's been at several NFC Championship games, and so for everybody in the room is is there is their job between now and what July mid July twentieth twenty second twenty first twenty second to physically be ready to go, mentally be ready to go, and do their job, which is you know from now and then obviously for some younger players stay out of trouble basically because that is a part of it. Um, make sure they they do those three things and a few other things. Work on the details that maybe a coach gave them in this mandatory minicamp and the other OTAs that was going on in previous weeks, take some of the details and feedback and use that to get to do, then go into your workout when you're on your own, wherever you are, wherever these players go to make sure they hit these details to say, okay, coach told me I need to work on this. You know, if it's a route running, if it's blocking technique, if it's running the ball, keeping the ball high and tight, anything like that. So make AG, sure that they- AG, tell everybody what'd you do for the six weeks? What'd you do when you had your time off under this camp? Um, so my six weeks, I uh, obviously it was more, I say it was family time, but then I would wake up early. My mornings was basically whatever my workout would be. You know, if it was, uh, it'll be upper body day, then sprint day, then the next day, lower body day, and then a gym pro agility day. And then continue that on pretty much. I would probably taper down maybe one or two days prior to camp just because it's check-in and it's a lot moving on. You know, we were moving into the dorms at St. Norbert's at that time. But for the majority of those six weeks, um, I'm connected with my family, but then also, you know, staying rooted in my preparation to the regular season. Yeah, when when we got done, I would always go back to the West Coast if I was living in Vegas or California. And I would just uh, I would just continue. I mean, I, I really didn't treat because we didn't really treat mini camp as anything like you're not working that hard. Even if you're out there for two right. hours, it's not in pads. It's really it's not physical. So I would never stop doing my training regime like my workout regime would say the same. So whatever I had planned for that time, I hadn't factored in the fact that the idea that we're going to have to go out and practice. It didn't really matter. But I'd still get my two hour workout. And so I would just go back to to training. And my wife and I would usually try to take that'd be the time where I would take like a week and try to go have some sort of vacation. So right yeah. before the 4th of July, I would try to get a week of, we'd go somewhere, I'd get on a plane, I mean, get on a plane and go somewhere yeah. and still work out and, and, and do all that stuff, but just get my mind kind of right. And then when that 4th of July hit, we'd always, you know, I tried to do a big on 4th of July if I can, you know, depending on where I'm at, I like to have it. Right. That's one of the, that's one of the, the holidays I like to have a lot of fun on. And then after that, I, it was like, okay, we're going into monk mode and shut everything, you know, shut everything else in your life off. My exactly. wife would tell me my personality would just change at the house after the 4th of July. She's like, and she would just tell me, she's like, You're, you, you get a little mean after the, after the, on the 5th, your personality changes. Like you get mean. And it's just because I was getting, not mean, but probably I was getting like more aggressive because I was just kind of getting ready for what was, what was coming. The other thing I did yeah, for my training. Yeah. Is that you too? <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, I think that, I think that's just like a normal thing because you, you have to get your mind right that that grind that you're going to be experiencing for the next six, hopefully seven months is, is something different. The other thing yeah. I did was I started um, after the 4th of July, my workouts went to, I started doing every single lift, um, high intensity with a very specific rest interval. So I would start doing singles and doubles, but I would, I would be doing everything with a, a, a a certain amount of rest period, like a 24 second or a 40 second rest, like we did on play. So everything for me was six seconds Football on. Army. Yeah. Six seconds on 40 seconds off, six seconds on 24 seconds off. And then I would, everything would turn into kind of a series. So whether I was doing bench press squats, et cetera, a lot of those like compound lifts or even, even my explosive uh, movements yeah. with the, um, the ballistics or the, or the cleans, the Olympic lifts, everything turned into let's do everything on time. Now just get your, your nervous system ready for that. 
Yeah, yeah, mine was the same thing. I will even throw on a vest sometimes when I'm doing my wind sprints or if I'm doing my uh, change of direction drills. And then mm -hmm. when I could find a hill, uh, which it was a few here, here uh, hills in Green Bay, if we're traveling or not, I would jump, I would run on a hill. Um, that was something that obviously that hits the area of uh, speed endurance um, out in California. If we're in California, which we were a few times, went to the Manhattan Sand Hill there. Yeah. Where basically, <laughs> if, you, there. if you could sprint that or walk it a few times, you know, you're doing, you're getting ready for something, you know. And I, I say earlier in my career, I used to be able to sprint it. Towards the end of my career, I just walked it three or four times. But that first time was like, oh, my that God. Thing is, my that thing is nuts, right? Yeah, it's nuts. I thought the first time I ran it, I thought my legs were going to explode. It was so much lactic acid built in my legs. I was like, oh, my God. But I knew what I was doing it for, you know, getting ready to for training camp. Um, we got the bang, you know, because our training camps were two a days, full pads. You know, we in day four, we have eight to nine practices already under our belt. So, you know, you, you talk about that for this generation. They have one padded pad, one padded day, probably in five days. So it's definitely yeah. a different uh, mindset and preparation leading up into today's training camps. For, for those people who who haven't don't know what the, uh, the the hills that we're referencing, a lot of a lot of athletes run that hill out in, in Manhattan Beach, California. But uh, if anybody's seen that movie Hustle uh, that just came out with Adam Sandler on Netflix, there's a hill that he runs. It's like you got to. I think he wants them to get in under two minutes or a minute forty five or something like that. And it's just like it's just you know straight up. That's essentially what this is. And it's not quite as long, but it's just sand. So it's like one of the hardest things. It's one of the hardest things you can do for conditioning. Um, Jerry, it would have been Jerry Rice would have absolutely loved that hill. Yeah, he was up in NoCal. He had a found. He yeah. found a hill. Um, but he was a mountain. He was a mountain trail guy. But yeah, yeah. Mountain the trail, point yeah. being, like that's 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 some of the hardest running you can do. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. I, I think you know, for me, one thing that we you know, a lot of guys, you, there's two there's two mindsets when you go into training camp, right? There's a mindset of a guy like you who comes in and says, "I want to dominate this training camp." Okay, so I'm going to make sure that I'm in great shape beforehand mm -hmm. because it's the most important thing for me is to be absolutely ready to go so that the four or five days of double days isn't going to just wear me down to the point where I've lost 10 pounds. I'm losing right. I'm losing muscle mass now, like my body's not able to handle it. And then there's another group of guys who used to be like, I'm going to use training camp to get in shape, right? And no. those are the guys you usually see that have soft tissue injuries, guys that like – in the first three weeks of the season, something bad's happened, either a lapse in play or again, like some sort of soft tissue injury or some kind of structural yeah. injury just because from a cut or something, because they're, they are broken down and you don't really have to deal with that as much now. And I think what guys have figured out, sports science has figured out because of, because of necessity, the way they've, they've dealt with um, training camp and like the amount of practices they can have <laughs> is that you really didn't need from a physiological standpoint, like you don't need to do double days in order to be enough in good enough shape to play football. No. What you needed the double days for, what we would say now is you need the double days for is because like a guy like me, I can't play at a really high level doing everything in pillow pads for the entire time. Like I have to practice playing full speed. Otherwise I'm never going to be able to play full speed at the level that I want to play at. Same here. That was my mindset. Uh, guys knew that on our team and, uh, but it's nothing, it's business. You know, you mm -hmm. got to understand that you're not, you know, coming there to hurt your teammate. You just you're preparing for Saturday preseason games, Sunday um, preseason games, and then eventually Sunday games, Monday night football. That's what you're doing for. So I've had several conversations with some of our former teammates. Uh, Al Harris is one. Uh, Nick Barnett is another where they're like, hey, G, man, why are you running so hard, man? What you doing? I'm like, I'm getting ready for the weekend, bro. I'm not. Don't take it personal. You know, that's what I would say 
This is Nick, Bar Nick Barnett better not been sitting that way in 230. I remember when Nick Barnett came in, he was like 225, 235 pounds playing middle linebacker. Now that's like commonplace. But back then, I remember we walked into Mike Sherman's office and he was a first round pick. Turned out to be a great player. And I, yeah. I, I loved him to death. He had a, he was, he, we called him feisty back then because he was small, but he was a full grown man. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But I remember he walked, we walked into the first day and we're like, we told Mike, like, Mike, you really drafted this guy to play middle linebacker? Like he, we're going to, we, cause we just destroyed, I mean, a rookie linebacker against our line in the first, first year of his career is going to get smoked anyways, but yeah. he was so, he was so little. He actually, he bulked up a lot during his, uh, during yeah. his playing days. He turned out to have a great career, but I remember if, if he wasn't, if he's one of those guys that if he wasn't going full speed, he was going to be in a lot of trouble because you just can't play at that size. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right. Listen, listen, uh, uh, the other thing I want to talk about before we move on to trench warfare is, do you think there's anything else? So, we, you know, if you talk about who's going to be the number one receiver and, mm -hmm. you know, we, Lazard's not there. So these other guys are getting to look. Watson is blowing everybody away with his athleticism, but he's a raw, like he's, he's still kind of a raw individual. Yeah. And we've got these guys that have already proven it, but like, we don't know how Sammy Watkins would be. Randall Cobb's not going to be a number one receiver. We, I mean, we can just kind of take him off the, I know he's Aaron Rodgers' best friend, but it's just, he's out in his career. Three. If he's at the least. number one, that's a problem, right? At least a number three for Randall. Yeah. 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 He, I mean, he could, he'll be part of the mix. No, no doubt about it. Just because yeah. the repertoire he has or the rapport he has with, with Aaron, but I still think it's Lazard, right? I think it's got to be Alan Lazard. Um, hopefully, he gets this fig this figured out with a contract. I don't. We talked about it last week. I'm not sure why he's just not signing that thing. It doesn't really make a lot of sense to us. Yeah. But I hope when he comes back, I think he's going to be the number one. I don't think a number one's Dobbs is going to be ready to play before Watson just because the offense he played in, the level he played in, right? Yeah. The level, the attention to detail that he had in his college versus Watson. So Watson's a project. He can be able to play and contribute this year. I don't see him being the number one this year. I don't know if you've seen it any different. No, no, I, I agree with you. He still has to get past that rookie threshold of coming in, processing everything that's going on at OTAs back a few weeks ago, mandatory camp now, and then this six weeks, like I say, taking tidbits from his coaches uh, feedback and making sure he incorporates that into getting better, reading the plays. So that right there is going to set him back. Ability-wise, he's okay. But uh, Sammy Watkins, you know, he'll be able to challenge uh, the, the spot as well. But yeah, Allen's are with his experience and his years and that he earned with Aaron, as we know, that is, that is gold. When you do that, when you do plays and you show up and when you catch that ball when number 12 throws it to you, then you're on his list of guys that uh, he's going to come back to um, in the regular season. Yeah, no no doubt. I, I completely agree with you. Let's move on to trench warfare. But um, one thing that <clears throat> just because we're talking about Zach Tom, that rookie that came in, who yeah. has a lot of promise, listen, athletically off the charts, uh, put in some really good numbers. I talked about it before. If you run a sub 540 offensive lineman, you're, you're going to end up being a good player in this league if you have all the right intangibles. Uh, but athletically, you're going to be just fine. I don't care how big you are. I played at 295. A guy asked me at the gym today. He's like, how big are you going to play? I said 295. His son, his son played at SMU. He was 325. He goes, well, how'd you do it? And I go, well, how did he play at 325? I don't understand the question. You know what I mean? But anyways, <laughs> right. so, so Zach Tom's playing both guards and center. Is that right. I, does that surprise you at all? And then what does that say? Like, to me, the message is to Royce Newman, hey, listen, this guy is a better athlete than you are. Like we're gonna give sure. we're gonna give some people a chance to take that spot unless we've talked about Royce getting maybe stronger during this offseason. Hopefully he has. I haven't really seen it. Um, right. But you know what does that kind of tell you about what what his projections are, if anything? Um, it tells me that he actually come in camp prepared and that he showed up for the coaches because the coaches got that question mark is by all rookies. I don't care if you're the first round or the seventh round. They got this question mark and he must have popped on that film in between OTAs and mandatory camp. Um, and then another reason is how. Through the regular season, we saw last year Josh Myers, uh, who I met this weekend at Donald Driver.
Rivers uh, softball game, which he's a he's, he's he's put together very well. I was like, yeah, I'm looking at him. I'm like, I can't tell if he's a tight end or or tackle or center. I was like, man, he's put together well. So with the injuries that happened last year, I think they coaches are like, you know what, we got to have inventory. You know, we got to have guys that can play swing lineman positions in our group of guys, and to have him that can do center potentially guard. That is that's crisis, along with Elgin Jenkins and all other guys that rotated in and out from center guard and tackle. So I think that's another two points right there for those players like him coming in rookie to be able to play those uh, different positions. And like you said, the 40, it kind of you know spreads out uh, information for a coach to know what he can do when he comes in. Yeah, certainly. And, and uh, you know, Elgin Jenkins is not going to be in back yet, but assuming he's going to go in and play right tackle. I think mm-hmm. it's just kind of, and you've got you know, you know, one of the top two or three left tackles in the, in the league when he comes back. I think everybody's confident that he's going to come back at this point. So for me, it really it makes a ton of sense. I think if at the worst he's, you know, he could be the rotational guy. Now I know he's going to be like the, the, the kid from UCLA. Sean's going to be, yeah, Ryan. Sean Ryan. Sean Ryan's also going to be, you know, you know, fighting for. He might be fighting for a starting spot. I mean, we really don't know until all this comes out. But what I will say is both those guys look the part, right? I just yeah. watching them move and everything. They look the part. Um, and they and they're just they're both built pretty well. They both have different bodies. They both have different body types, but they're both built pretty well. I especially like the way Sean Ryan uses his hands. Obviously, Zach Tom and his athleticism. So I think they're going to be fun guys to watch. We don't get a, if they don't play, it's always hard for us. We have to talk about them in like these what if moments. So training right. camp's going to tell a lot. We're going to enjoy those padded practices, the few that they do have because of that. You know, yeah. With, with that AG, we were talking, I was just kind of looking over the top free agents available still, and just I wanted to go through the top ten as determined by people not named us and see if any of these guys made sense for our team. I'll just go through them. We can just real quick. You just give me a yes or no. And if it's a yes, let's see why Odell Beckham Jr. 29 years old, free agent, top of the list. Yes. I would say yes, because if somebody potentially, if they have the money, we know physically what he can do. Um, he's one of those guys that we, like we talked about him earlier this season with the, or I'll say off season, the whole stuff, leaving Cleveland and getting to the Rams where he was in that, that triangle of drama, we found out that he was probably the one that was actually trying to work it out with with team, with the team, with with Baker and all that stuff. So it shows to me that he's grown up a lot because we remember his giant days when he's going over the middle, being held by DBs, arguing, fighting. Now he's matured, got a ring now. And so he understands, like, if I come to a team right now, I'm that veteran. But then also I can still make things happen. Well, it just goes to show you what, what happens when you go to a, a great organization with a great quarterback. Yes. Right? And a great and a great head coach when you when you're stuck in places that don't ha- that don't necessarily have that, especially that 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 quarterback is a huge deal. And I know I, mm-hmm. I think he was with Manning, but it was towards the end of his career. Eli Manning, you know, for me, has always been, you know, so so. But at, towards the end of the career, he wasn't he wasn't a very good player. And uh, you can certainly see the frustration because of it. Now, exactly. Trey Flowers is a guy that's number two on this list. And he played he was great when he played for New England. But he's always kind of he's more of like Charlie Workhorse more than like just pure talent. Now he's with the Lions uh, most recently. He was released. He's again, 29 year old, year old guy. We need depth at outside backer. I don't know if he's the guy that I would pick up because I think he's more of a hand in the ground player. Yeah. Um, and, and he's, a, but I, I love his game. I've always loved his game. When I was with Miami, I loved watching him uh, up at new England, even though mm-hmm. I mean, he's, he's a fun guy to watch because he's a really hard worker. He gave us um, a little bit of problem uh, 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 last year, but right. he's not, he's not a, I don't know if he's comfortable coming off as a, as a backup. And I, I don't know if he's certainly not the quality, I think, that Preston and, and Jacques Guerrero. Right. I said the one thing I like about him that he's under, he's coming out of New England. You know, he's players that have come out of New England, they have just an extra thing about they how they approach everything. 
you know, from a, on a field standpoint, off the field, have they prepared? Because being under Belichick, if they played with Tom, but if they didn't in the last few years, you know, he's having that right there. That, that gives me a lot as a coach. You're like, all right, he played under a coach that demands this out of them. And he talked about Aaron and his, uh, his statement about accountability. He understands that. Trey yeah. Flowers coming from New England, they are, that house, that building is all about accountability. You know, regardless of how talented you are, you just do your your job, do your role, and then we'll be successful as a team, basically. So that's one thing I would like about him. If he came in, he'll he'll understand how to be a professional, come in that locker room and help his team and help the guys around him get better. It would be interesting to see because he was with the Lions last, and, and like we yeah. we know that we know that a lot of guys have gone from New England and gone to other places and not had the success. Um that a lot of these other, you know, mm. a lot of, that they had in New England, right? And I'm just right. trying to remember the guy's name who was actually the the other player, the, the linebacker who was a phenomenal player, Jamie. Um, I'm, I'm I'm missing his name right now, but he went, he actually went he went back to uh, he went back to New England oh, again. Okay. He was one of, one of the most athletic linebackers that there's been in the league for the last ten years. But he left. Right. I think he went to the Lions or went to Cleveland and and just didn't pan out. And so you're just always curious as of why why these guys don't quite find that success because 29 years old, really in the prime of his career. Right. J.C. Treader's a center. Listen, he's had a great career. He's the NFLPA president, played for the Cleveland Browns. I'm going to just say, but listen, you and I are probably agreeing on this. There's no way because of Josh Myers is in there. We don't really yeah. need him. He, he's not really a backup guy. Right. And we just talked about Toms, too, in the swing. You know, so they got inventory for a lineman that could come in and play center. Julio Jones. What do you think about Julio? I, what do you think about Julio Jones coming in? I like him from the leadership standpoint. It's just obviously this is a young man's game for him being a number one wideout. Um, he's not obviously not going to be number one. He's going to be a guy. He's played in the second tier of offense last year, being in Tennessee, and obviously health. He's been beat up. Years, you know, 30, 33 yeah, he, years old. Right, thirty three, and he was a physical receiver. He's a guy that he was like an Andre Johnson, basically. Come off the ball, he wants hands on him so he could fill you and get rid of you and then outrun you. And that you know, it's just a young man's game. So it's nothing against his talent. Just age does creep in. You know, I understand that too. You know, at my he age, I run Yeah, he, he he didn't have he just didn't have a, he didn't produce last year. I mean, bottom right. line, right? He just didn't. He was with Tennessee. He didn't produce. Now Antonio right. Brown's the next guy on this list. A guy that even at thirty four years old, he could produce, right? But yeah, he, he's but. an absolute liability. Hundred percent. I don't care. I mean, if he, if you can't get right with Tom Brady as your as your quarterback and Bruce Arians as your head coach, I'm not bringing you in. I don't know about no. you. No, it's you know you're. I'm in agreement with you. I I've heard of Bruce Ayers and how he coaches players. He coaches players hard, but he's fair. And I've had teammates say to me, "Amon, you would have liked playing for Bruce Ayers because he you like guys that shoot it to you straight. Tell tell they'll tell you what they need from you in a game or practice or whatever." And I'm like, "That's all I need to know." Um, and then like you said, Tom Brady, when he brings you in, he does a favor. <laughs> you're if you don't do that favor, you don't come through right. hard you're pretty much sealing the end of your career, unfortunately, for A.B., which we know is a lot of mental stuff that he has to go through. But still, when that happens, it's hard to get back in the league. There's there's, there's a couple other – I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to gloss over it. So Rob Gronkowski is going to be a no. Yeah. Daryl Williams and Eric Fisher are two tackles. Absol I'd say absolutely not. Yeah. Justin Houston, 33 years old. Mm. but it, I, Justin Houston, to me, has been one of the top players in the last 10 years. I think he's an amazing player. Um, He's one of those guys. He was at KC. Okay, so KC, I think, and he, a cup of coffee at Baltimore. He might have played at Indy for a year or two. I think he played at Indy, okay. then he went to Baltimore. So he's been, he's on a he's on a decline. But as a spot player, you know, he's yeah. he's like Melvin Ingram right now. I think he's I think Melvin Ingram was 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 better of the two as of right today. 
but they're yeah, kind of the think. same thing where like i think if you bring him in and say hey i'm in a situational pass rusher now and this guy can still do a lot of damage yeah he might yeah. be worth a cup of coffee at least to get a physical on what do you think yeah yeah 100 is, is when you have those type of guys that understand okay they're a role player and they understand their role that is i say icing on the cake because obviously you gotta as a coach you're convincing players free agent players last minute and they haven't been on the team the whole entire offseason but if the right veteran mindset comes in like like he is like uh justin houston is then there's one of those guys you you happy to have on your roster because he's gonna be positive in the locker room and he's gonna help guys get better and also he's gonna play at a high level I don't think you can I you just can't do you can't get enough good humans in your locker room if they can still produce. You know what I mean? Just a blanket statement. I know it's obvious, 100%. but you can't get enough good people in your room. The best teams are full of the best teammates, man. So I th- and I think he sounds like he's one of them. The last guy on this list, Sheldon Richardson, he's been a couple different places. Lastly with Minnesota, he plays defensive tackle. He was a guy that came in, I think he came in with the Jets. He had yep. he had all the tangibles. All the tangibles, explosive, big, everything. He had mm-hmm. everything going for him, and he's had a good career, not a great career. He could play on this team. I'm telling you, talent-wise, at 31 years old, he could still play on this team. I don't know what the guys with Jaron Reed coming in, Wyatt. I mean, listen, we, we're not even yeah. talking about um, – uh, oh, gosh. Um, our, our our other defensive tackle, not named oh, – Kenny not, Clark. Not named, um, not named Kenny Clark. Clark. Yeah. Um, but we – I don't, again, that's one of those guys, if you're taking reps away from, you know, we got a space eater in Jaron Reed who can play a lot of snaps and yep, he's a, like, he's a snap hog. And then a guy like Devontae White, do we want to take reps away from, oh, sorry, Mean Dean Lowry. I'm sorry, we're not talking about Mean Dean Lowry because a lot, of, a lot of people think he might be a cap casualty, but I'm not swapping out Mean Dean for, for no. Sheldon Richardson. We already right? know what you're hitting. That's why. You yeah, know exactly. Dean Lowry. He's a, he's a team player and he goes 100% every time he's out there. So that's one guy you got to make sure you make the right decision in dealing with free agency and bringing guys in to make sure they don't step on other players' toes. All right, AG, I wanted to do this because we're talking about there's a couple D tackles and it ended with D tackles. I wanted to think about who is your, who are your top five defensive tackles from our era? So I wanted to basically compare this, okay? And this is going to be subjective. So of course, our guys are going to be better. I'm going to tell you right now. Our, right. our, our generation's top five defensive tackles versus right now. You, do, you have, do you have people to think about? You want me to start or you want to go? Yeah, start. You can start. And I'll, okay. I'll start. So I'm going to say right now, in my opinion, after what, you know, I, 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 you know, I love the game. My yeah. top guys, the guys that I would be least interested in playing against a day to day, obviously Aaron Donald, who I think is the best defensive tackle I've ever seen. 100%. Okay. Jonathan Allen for the, for the commanders is an, every, every guy we've had on here, every guy I've talked to is it, his name comes up every single conversation. 100%. Yeah. Chris Jones of the Kansas City Chiefs, when he wants to play, and, and last year they, they put him out of position defense and they moved back defensive tackle. Their whole defense changed when they moved him. He's that valuable. Fletcher Cox, I know he's getting a little bit long in the tooth, but mm. he has been an absolute dominant force. He was the only guy that could rival Aaron Donald, I think, for the best D tackle in the league year in and year out for the last five, six years. And then my my last guy is might be a surprise for some people, but not you know probably not for you. DeForest Buckner, he plays for the Colts now. He was the San Francisco 49ers. Yeah. He is an absolute stud. Please. He has turned over. He has turned around the way that defense plays. So I think those five yeah. guys are the best guys in the league right now. You got anybody to add or take away? You like that? You like that list? Um, no, nobody to add. I say probably a different order because um, I like. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, one, it's no right. Is Aaron the, Donald. Yeah, the, I didn't put him in any order except for Aaron Donald. I had right. to say first because he's obviously the best. 
Yeah, he basically won the Super Bowl defensively for the Rams. And we saw him when uh, he grabs a running back by one arm and keep him from gaining yardage to <laughs> on a drive where he basically shut it down and said, hey, we got the ring on our finger. To me, I'm like, yeah, that guy is a problem. He's always been a problem. And he's my height and he weighs 300 pounds. It's just amazing. His build, um, that's impressive. And then what I like about that, like your last pick of the top five you have. So same top DeForest five Buckner. people, but the last one, DeForest Buckner, is a space eater. He's a guy, he's going to control the middle, and he knows that. He learned this in that 49er defense, playing with Pat Willis, playing with uh, other linebackers and DBs and other defensive tackles around him. So he understands. He took that leadership that he brought and his ability to the coach defense to make them a problem. And having Leonard at linebacker and then the DBs as well on that coach defense to have them right on the cusp. They just eventually got to get a quarterback in that space because they already got a run game and the best line, one of the best lines in the NFL. Um, so they got Jonathan Taylor, like I said, find a quarterback then. They, got, they brought they brought in Matt Ryan. We'll have to see what happens. I mean, the, right. the, the exactly. thing about the Forest, but yeah, go ahead. Matt Ryan came during free agency, so yeah, see how where he can what he has left in the tank, and uh, see where he can help help them out. Yeah, I think you know DeForest Buckner. The length on him, I think for a, a, a guard or a center, is just really difficult too. I mean, he's got, I think six foot yeah. six, six foot seven long. Yeah, wingspan, so it's tough. Now, now in in my day when I was playing against these guys, these are the guys that. You know, it's like you circle these guys on your calendar, okay? There wasn't a lot of guys that I would circle on my calendar, but these guys, I'm talking about probably in their prime days, right? Not, you know, not throughout their entire career. So number number one for me has always been John Randall. It's because I was, I was coming in when he was in his prime, and he was just an absolute savage. Warren right. Sapp. Warren Sapp is, has the best, yes. most signature chop, you know, aside from Reggie White's bull, uh, or excuse me, club. Yeah. Warren Sapp's got the most signature chop club rip, maybe – maybe in the game ever. Um, Chris Jenkins, a guy I played with in Carolina. When Chris Jenkins Sweet. was ready to go, Chris Jenkins was absolutely unstoppable in the run game, in the pass game. You had to double team him as a three technique. Okay. He could beat you with a bull. He could beat you with speed. Absolute savage. Best player, I, in my opinion, best defensive attack in the league for probably 2004 to 2006. Kevin Williams, a guy that we played against in, uh, in Minnesota. In Minnesota. Yep. Absolute oh. stud. You'll notice You'll notice that there are a lot, you know, I could probably put on um, – a couple guys from Detroit as well here. I mean, the Who's NFC there? North, and then when we and then when we had um, when we had Tampa in the division. Mm -hmm. I mean, you want to talk about the best D tackles in the league? We're all just camped out there because the other guy that I would have on here, aside from uh, aside from those four, is it's really a tie. I didn't know who to pick between uh, Leroy Glover and then yep. Tommy Harris. Tommy Harris was Tommy Harris's career got cut short. Tommy Harris was an absolute savage. Yes, he was. For like four or five years in this league, man. He got his career got cut short. I'm telling you, he was so so he was the one of the few guys that after the game we played in uh, Chicago, it was him and Tank Johnson were rookies. They mm -hmm. were they were they were moving on from those big fellas. They brought these guys in the same year. First, I think first first round pick, third round pick. Yeah. And I remember after the game, Marco and Mike and I were like, dude, that Tommy Harris could be a problem. And he was like he he we're like, Oh shit, he's gonna be a real problem. And that yeah. guy was amazing. Now, AG, what I want to ask you is Right. Objectively. Now, we already know some of these guys have been in the Hall of Fame, blah, blah, blah. If I'm being really honest, Aaron Donald's the best on that list by far. But if I'm going to take the rest of those guys, that five on the bottom is pretty damn good. Right. Like our five, the guys during our generation. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I, I don't want to take it anything away because right now anybody can beat me up. But, <laughs> but I'm telling you, like Warren Sapp, John Randall, Chris Jenkins, Kevin Williams – Tommy Harris or Leroy Glover. I mean, that's a that is an absolute unit right there. Yeah, yeah. And 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 I like I like Aaron Donald because of this. You know, he has an intimidation factor 
that he can bring into the game. And then not only that, he has the game to back it up. Mm-hmm. He has the smarts. He knows how to play his role in the in the front. If it's got to be an ET and holds his guys, you see him work with his hands constantly. You know, so he has the whole package there. And then he has the pure power that you want from the inline uh, in the middle defensive tackle. You want that. You want guys to be able to one play, just take that center guard back and put it in the quarterback's lap, put them in the quarterback's lap. You want that guy. So for all the guys that we play with, I say one guy that a true that I say historically try to get in Brett's head. And we and you probably you might have had a conversation with him about it is uh, Warren Sapp. You know, he was always chit chatting. Get, trying to get in guy, guy's head, Brett. Warren Sapp was trying to get Warren Sapp. Warren Sapp watched John Randall be a authentic trash talker with Brett Favre, and right. Warren was like, Warren was like, oh, I got to do that, right? You know what I mean? Like, and I know Warren Sapp is a trash talker. Don't get me wrong, but Warren Sapp learned that the key to being a renowned pass rusher, character personality in this game was getting to Favre. He learned that from John Randall. Right. I, I, and I can see that because, I mean, John Reynolds just did it. You know, he that was his game. It wasn't something that he actually you know took from anybody. He was that guy 100 miles per hour. He, you know, I, I, all, all the stuff that you've seen on film before pre-snap and what he's doing. You know, I for myself, I was just like, look, I'm going to try to get what I can when we play against those guys home or away. You know, when we were in, I think it was my 2000 and maybe all one season that I, we played against them. And I knew that it was like, OK, when I run between. You know, Mike and Marco, we got to I got to make sure I, I explode at the right time, because if they don't you know, get a clean a push upfield, this guy's coming off a block and I got to be ready for whatever he comes and brings with because he wasn't like obviously a heavy guy, but full of full of uh, I say he's like, he was Aaron Donald before Aaron Donald. I mean, same that, same build, not as not quite as big. I mean, or maybe 100%. maybe the same size, but not quite as powerful. Um, but the, the, he had he had moves. He had more moves than anybody. I mean, he had three moves every time. He'd beat you. He'd spin out of the win, and then he'd spin back in and beat you again. They used to say before I got there, uh, like in the in the late '90s, before uh, before kind of our line. Brett, right. they used to joke. Brett was like, "Hey, we're throwing off the we're throwing hot off the three technique this week. We're going to Minnesota because they just knew like there's That's no way he, he was unblockable. I mean, he was that right. good. When the quarterback's yeah, making jokes about it, it's a problem. Exactly, exactly. That's a good list there, Mike. Good list. Listen, let's go to uh, let's go to get off my line. Yes, sir. And, uh, we got a couple things here. And the first one I saw, I know we're watching the NBA playoffs and it just kind of coincided uh. with something that happened to me this weekend. So, so Draymond's mom, Draymond Green is playing. He's having a really, he has, what is he, two points in two games or something like that. He's yeah, playing. he's struggling. He's struggling. He's right struggling. Now. And he's, and like he, he's not looking for his shot. And we've all been there. Whoever, whoever's ever played basketball long enough, you've been to that point where you're like, you're so bad in the moment. You're like, dude, I'm not even going to shoot this wide open shot. I'm going to try to find that pass. And that's right. where he's at right now. I'm sure he'll get out of it. But his, but the, the real news is to me, his mom went on Twitter, Twitter right. talking about it, talking about play. And she said, uh, something, I'm going to quote this. Please, people stop asking me what's wrong with Dre. I don't know. Maybe this is a clone. Where is the Draymond that helped us get here? I've never seen this either. And and it just reminded me of all the parents, all the overpassionate parents that are in the stands talking. And like, this is a new medium, obviously, of like yeah. Twitter. But I got to tell you, I was at this big soccer tournament this weekend. Right. And I was, and I went, I, I loved, I just like watching sports. So even if my kid's not playing in that particular game, I'll just go sit and watch a game because right. it's like, what I was in Kansas City, what else are you going to do? Right. So I'm watching this game, uh, this New York team versus the Miami team. Now, the oldest kid on the field is 14 years old, to put it in perspective, right? Nobody's making money here. Got it. I sat in the third row on the top of the bleachers. There's these three parents for the New York team. 
And the one of them sounds like the soup Nazi from Seinfeld. I mean, he's got like, like he sounds like he could have been the soup Nazi. hundred percent. Got it. And he is screaming at the entire team. Now I've been on like sidelines of like the LA galaxy parents who will just like yell instructions to now remember this is like pro clubs, right? Where they have pro coaches and whatnot. They're yelling instructions right. to like the entire side of the sideline that's near them the entire game. But this guy's yelling at the entire team and then he gets all three of them to do it. And I've never heard anything like it in my life. I mean, yelled bad mouth in the whole deal, bad mouth in their own players. And then his kid or somebody, somebody scores in the second half. And all of a sudden I hear Sear bang, 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 bang. This dude is running down the bleachers two by two, jumps off of the track, runs onto the field, right? Onto the grass, drops to both knees, starts waving his fist in the air and screaming. Onto the field. The referee's like, I, he didn't even know what to do. I've never seen anything like it in my life. If I'm if I'm the coach, first of all, if I'm the coach, his his kid, never playing for my team again. You'll find another right. team. I'm not I'm not dealing with that parent. The referee didn't. The referee was like, "Can you just get off the field?" Like I don't. I'm not even sure what that. I'm not even sure what's going on. Right. He just got back in the stands. Just kept going. I couldn't believe. Like you, want, it was the most egregious bad parenting thing I've ever seen in my life. But it was. I was. I got to be honest with you. It was entertaining as hell. Yeah, I mean that right there is is this. Not cool. I know the rules because I've had kids myself growing up too, little league now. And I know when my, my, my daughter, I had two daughters playing softball growing up here in Wisconsin. And there was the rules, the guidelines. I remember reading the guidelines that said, if you're going to be this at the game, if you're going to be this parent yelling, you know, bothering the umpires, things of that nature, you got to step away from the game. Don't come to the game. Don't come to practice. We have the coaches that go, co you know, that's in a, when they got to put that in little league guidelines for parents, there's a problem. And uh, it's hard. You know, parents out there, it's hard not to because you're rooting for your kid. But you got to understand how that will going to affect, obviously, how you look as a parent. And obviously, your kid is like sitting there like, oh, my dad's Four, tripping. Four, 14 years <laughs> no. old. And like we, we've all been there when, listen, we've all been there on the sidelines when I, I've yelled at my kids on the side. I'm not proud of it. I've yelled at my kids right. on the sidelines. The kids are doing bad. Pick it up. You know, so blah, 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 you know whatever that whatever it is. But you've heard those parents on the sidelines that are like, you're embarrassing us. You know, like the, right. like you you soccer is one of those things because you're right there and it's not very loud, so it's not like a basketball gym where there's like you can hear everybody or you can't hear anybody like any one person. Dude, right. on, on these sidelines you can hear, or a football game on these sidelines you can hear everybody. Like if AG, if you're out there, your kid would hear every single thought that you had in your head. I mean, it's it could be that uh, quiet. So yeah. I saw this thing with Draymond, and I was just like, oh my god, Draymond's mom. Right. What do you? That was amazing. That's crazy. I mean, like you said, it's the medium. It's now like this wasn't around. That was just starting towards our exit from the NFL. Pro athletes, their families, you know, their wives, their girlfriends, mothers, uncles are chiming in, you know, and saying what's, you know, like what, what Draymond's mom is doing. But for the parent, like you said, in your situation at the at your daughter's uh, soccer match, those are parents that, that might be vicariously living through them. And they, oh. they <laughs> and that got cut short for whatever reason and hopefully johnny or T little tammy can now uh get through mls or play the world you know uh, was it the big league over in europe of uh, primavera damn i can't think of it right now champions yeah, the league. premier league yeah champions league you wait for it's dude it's it's just it's there's there for me for athletes there's really i don't know if i have a more fun experience than watching my kids play anything Right. I just kids no, are your kids. You just love it, right? You love this love, part of like yeah. I'm, we're going through I'm going through it right now. I love this part of, of my life, but it's really hard because the passion that we pour into things 
you know, like, especially as ex-athletes, like you don't know how to translate that. And we had success. And so we should be a little bit calmer and more reserved. Now, imagine if you think you got robbed in high school or college or like, you know, you could have been this, like, you, you know, dude, it's just, it's just a different mindset that is, it's, it's embarrassing. It's, it's, it's terrible, but it's, if, if you're not involved in it, like, you know, if you're just kind of third party, it's pretty right. funny. Yeah, I, I, I'm not going to I'm not going to mention names here, but somebody I know very close to me was like that. We, you know, at my games, he'd be yelling, put them on back in. What are you doing? You know, because we play all play for the same high school growing up in Omaha, Nebraska. So my that one person there between me, uh, then my nephew that eventually went to Nebraska and went on to the NFL, too. He was you could hear him in the stands and, and I'll be like, they were like, I'll be zoned out water bottle. My teammates hit me. Hey, gee, is that so-and-so? Don't you know him? I'm like, yeah, I'm ignoring him right now. <laughs> yep. I'm making it a point not to turn around. Yeah, I'm not turning around. I'm not giving him the the south the 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 that look, be like, what are you doing? That gives him motivation to keep going. So that's have, uh have, that's have you heard about this uh this live golf like the versus the PGA? No, this is new. That's so you okay, got so, yeah. So this so this this lit it's L I V or Live, I'm not sure. It's backed by like the Saudi Arabian National it's Public Fund. With, with traditional sports and esports, you know, you're doing a lot of big stuff. I've noticed. Well, you know, there's a there's a huge obviously there's a huge pushback from from people because of you know Saudi Arabia's history and, and etc. But that's not correct. what I was interested in. What I was interested in is how do you a lot of really renowned Phil Mickelson, Sergio Garcia, all these guys are moving over to this tournament, and it's like, why would you leave the PGA Tour? It's the biggest thing in the world. And then I looked at what they're getting paid. Uh, I think some of these guys make salary, but uh, listen to this. Okay, so Phil Mickelson made a two, $200 million deal to go play for these guys, but listen to this. So they're, they're, it's a whole totally different format. Right. So they're all playing in teams. Now you can win, like, so it's like you'll be, you and I will be paired one weekend, and then you'll be paired with somebody else the next weekend, and everybody gets points based on, you know, your individual score, your team score, et cetera. And then, you know, at the end of the, you know, somebody get paid even more money. But, okay. but listen to the, these numbers are insane. So they're going to play, I think, I think they're playing 12 tournaments. So it's all these tournaments instead of just playing every weekend. Like, you know, in the PGA Tour, they basically have a, a tournament every weekend. You can decide yeah. to go or not, depending on how big it is. Exactly. So I think they have 12 tournaments. Each tournament is $25 million payout. The purse is $25 million. So that's dispersed amongst everybody who wins. Like, everybody's in the money in these tournaments, right? So there's like 48 people. Everyone's mm -hmm. going to get paid. So the top guy's going to get paid around $4 million. Now, the team championship during the eighth and final uh, series event of the season, so eight, excuse me, only eight tournaments, is going to okay. dish out an additional $50 million. Now, to put that in context. Five zero? Five zero, 50 million, in, okay? In addition to everything else, the Masters and the PGA Championship, which are probably the two biggest things in, 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 at the, on PGA Tour, mm -hmm. their purses there are $15 million. 51. So every weekend, these guys have a purse for 48 people that is – 25 million versus 15 for the two biggest tournaments. Plus they have $50 million at the end of it for championship money. Wow. I mean, so we're, it's like, should we start golfing AG? Like, holy hell, that's a lot of, yeah. that is a yes. lot of cookie dough. I could pull this off. I could play golf for a while. For sure. What do you I did baseball on the weekend. I can't, I can't play with a damn, but I, I listen, the way it's like esports, right? If you incentivize right. it enough, like pe people are going, well, this was fun, anyways. 
Right. I might as well. I, I have to do. You. I have to go play golf a little bit more. Okay. It's like job done. It. Like I, I got to go play video games for four hours instead of three. Oh, and I can get paid now. Okay. I'm gonna get a nice little chunk extra. Oh, okay. I'm telling you, man. I love it. But how about this one? So, so Tyree Kill obviously takes this big deal to go to uh, Miami. He's he's making some statements yeah. like Tua has is more accurate than than Pat Mahomes. Okay. Uh, mm. And then he's and then you know he goes on his podcast. And he says, you know, I'm not happy with the amount of touches I was getting. Hmm. And I thought that was interesting, obviously. Um, Fair. You, you kind of listen to the podcast a little bit more. Uh, he, you know, you start looking at the numbers. And, you know, obviously, you remember Tyree Kill was, was trying to do everything he could to get back to Kansas City. He was calling the owner, calling the head coach, yeah. calling, you know, Pat Mahomes, can we make a deal work? But he's got Drew Rosenhaus as an agent. He wants to get top dollar. He hmm. deserves top dollar for, you know, he, he's that kind of player. Uh, yep. but I would say this in 2021, he got the, let's see this he, a career high, 159 targets over a hundred receptions for the first time in his career. Mm-hmm. Um, seven most targets in the NFL in 2021 season. So it's tough to, it's tough to say you're not getting the touches. Although he had a couple, he had a couple games where he, he, he had, I think like less than 10 uh, targets. Yeah, he had, five, he had five games with five or fewer targets in 2021, which is is unusual for him. But he ended up having all these targets, all these catches. Obviously, had a very good year. Probably, probably the biggest threat. Well, definitely the biggest threat on, yeah. on the Kansas City Chiefs. Then you go back to it's like, and this is what I would say with athletes: we love authenticity, so just call it what it is. Hey, I signed a, uh, I signed a four-year, 120 million dollar deal with 72 million guaranteed. I'm really happy to be Miami Dolphin. That's all you had to say. Yeah, just say that. Don't yeah. try to find reasons, uh, come up with reasons on why he left or why he's gone now. I think I, I agree with you there. Just say what it is. Don't don't sugarcoat it. Don't try to mask it as something else because obviously you do that now you're insulting uh, other players that he played with. You know, not I won't say insulting, but downgrading. You know, saying that Tua is accurate, more accurate than Pat Mahomes. You know, they're two great athletes, but as we know, Pat Mahomes is another level quarterback. He can do things with the ball that we've seen. He might be another two levels of quarterback. You know what I mean? Exactly. Exactly. And Tua, great athlete, but still has some way to develop and get going in the right direction to be an NFL-ready quarterback. He still has time to develop. So, yeah, don't keep say what you should say. Hold that accountability up front instead of trying to, like you said, mask it as something else. I'll tell you what. When I when I went free agent to to Carolina, I generally wanted to go try and play somewhere else. I mean, right. training, my wife and I had just decided like, Hey, you know, for there, and there was a lot of internal reasons with green Bay that I wanted to do that. And I, I generally wanted to go like Carolina was my first choice. Right. And, or excuse me. Well, I should say San Diego and Carolina were my top two choices because Carolina had, in my opinion, the best box seven in the league. And we had never in, in green Bay up to that point, except for my first year had never had a really good box defensive you know defensive line linebacking crew mm-hmm. we had we had good players we had never had a, a, a group that i was just like and this carolina group was absolutely dominant and we went to the yeah. nfc championship Pepper. the first year Pepper. yep we had, oh, mike rucker julius peppers mike, chris yeah. jenkins dan morgan will witherspoon mike mike uh uh Minter mike. coming down in the box we had two good yes. corners. I mean, it, we were uh, defensively, we were absolutely stacked. Brentson Buckner was our was our other rotate was our our kind of fourth 
uh, defensive lineman. Spencer Butner had been in the league for eight, nine years. I mean, he could make, he could call every play out. I mean, real smart yeah. guy, not as quite as good as those other players at that point in his career. But I mean, you're, you're talking about, you know, a, two guys that could have been in the hall of fame and three pro, pro bowlers. And exactly. then, and then my uh, Dan Morgan in the back and we'll, and we were just absolutely stacked. But yep. anyways, you just, you know, so when you leave, you know, you got to say, you know, nice things about both sides and this and that and the other thing. But I just don't know if I'd ever say, I'd never make the statement like, yeah, Tua Tungvaluwa is, is more accurate than Pat Mahomes. No. And, uh, and that's and that's one of the big reasons I came down here. It, it's it, it, oh, oh, and by the way, I was begging to go back to Kansas City. Or not begging, but I was, I was really trying to go back to Kansas City, but it just turns out they didn't want to pay me $120 million. Yeah, you, you paint yourself, you paint a picture of yourself kind of undecisive, you know, um, and not being real. And not like I said, not holding yourself accountable to say what you should say. And then that problem, now he has a problem. He's going to get a little bit of backlash from fans and from potentially players. We don't know. But so, but I'll, I'll, I'll say this about Tyree Kill. He references himself as the cheetah. Like, he's the cheetah, but he also, when he's talking, he talks about himself in third person as che- the, the cheetah. And for that reason, that reason alone, he's he is like just skyrocketed up to one of my favorite players in the league that I'm going to follow. Oh, that's hilarious. I mean, the third person conversation when players or people, actors, actresses, football, when people do that, I just like, really? I said, that's just interesting to me. You know, I'm so I'm who I am. I'm homeboy. And I was like, I can't ever if I do it, I'm joking. I'm 100 percent joking. Just know that if I ever do that. So to have a player do that is like interesting i wish you would have done that with batman your batman character i do i wish you would have answered everything well batman batman didn't play that way oh like i said if i if i did that like i was definitely having fun with that reporter i was gonna be oh yeah for sure but listen like not people don't know that i mean i would have let me just say this i would have loved it i wish you you should start doing it now in fact from now on next episode you only third party batman i'll do that and it's because it's for fun (laughs) because like i understand you can't have that ego like that but Hey, I'm retired. I'm gonna have me a little fun. <laughs> hey, listen to this one. This is the last one I got on here. Okay, so okay, and I don't I don't know if you read this, but this Google employee comes out and he's been put on like uh, paid leave because he had this conversation. So everyone's working on artificial intelligence, Correct. and the big thing with artificial intelligence, there, without getting into it, there's this huge neural network that they work through, and so these the the amount of information and the amount of uh, receptors and everything that are going into this network that create this artificial intelligence I don't know how to call it it's called personality mm. okay are, are so vast and so mind blowing to me um, even at the even at the most basic this is just how it operates not the nuts and bolts of it but this guy is having this this conversation with this sentient being now okay. and. It appears, and I read the transcript of the conversation and kind of one through. It appears that this AI machine is self-aware and is it's it's recalling, um, it's it's expressing emotion, it's understanding the questions that are being asked contextually. And right. the guy goes, "Do you understand that when you like when you give us a history of something, we know that you're lying because you don't have history." And the the thing will say. I'm well, I understand that, but I'm trying to associate myself with you, make you so make you more comfortable in, in our conversation. So I it, I mean, it was kind of if you read the transcript, you're kind of going like, I gotta Ooh. squint my eyes Ooh. and and say, I, I don't I could see how C three I could see how C three PO uh it, operated now. Let's just put it this way. After reading this, I go, Oh, C three PO was what you know, he was a person just like just like we are. Right, right. And just understanding the tone of voice, the context of a question yeah. and how they speak fast or sarcastically that type of information and so uh yeah that's interesting and i say a little bit creepy 
it's a little bit creepy, but I, I got to tell you, it. I think this weekend the Age of Ultron was on, right? And I yeah. just I just happened to turn on the TV when he was uh, Jarvis and him started talking, and he My was going God. through all the memories, and he started realizing like, uh, I I don't I don't want to be taken over. I'm not going to shut down. I'm not a, like I'm not a mistake. Yep. And as you're listening, if as you're reading this transcript, if you go back and read it, and you use his voice you get like really freaked out right and like all the google guys and all these people for all these experts are saying well listen every, the google employee is just guilty and i forgot the the, the seven syllable word he, he says but it's basically he's saying we we kind of want this to happen so when we hear things we're kind of processing it as oh this 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 uh artificial intelligence machine is actually alive and has a conscience when in in reality it's just very, very good at what we designed it to do. Correct. Right? But if, yep. but for you and I, the layperson, C-3PO, man. C-3PO yeah. is alive and well in, the, in Google right now. Oh, man. That is that. All I have to say is very interesting. And now I'm self-aware. I'm going to keep that on my radar 100%. Batman, Batman's self-aware. Batman's self-aware. Yeah. Between Alexa and we got the new... Did you get a, Did you get the Sonos? The Ray? They named it Ray? Did you get the speaker Sonos. from Sonos? No. Uh, we got a. I thought we. Okay. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. We'll talk later. Yeah, we'll talk about that. So yeah, interesting. They naming these Listen, things, guys. Ag, <laughs> let's wrap this up, man. Uh, great job today. I know. We, hey, Ag's doing this whole thing without uh, without Wi-Fi. So yeah, it just, goes, it just goes to show you, like old old school can still get it done on exactly. your phone. All day. Yeah. Tune in. Yep. Hey, listen to this podcast anywhere you get your podcast. Um, obviously. You can hit up me at uh, MikeWall68 on Twitter, Process to Perform on Instagram, Amon Green at Amon Green 30 Twitter and Instagram. Check out his podcast, yep. Gamers Lounge, as well. And uh, listen, AG, always a pleasure, man. We'll uh, wrap this thing up. And, and I don't know, we'll have to figure out kind of the next couple of weeks what these guys have off, how much time, you know, what we want to do. We'll do some special edition stuff. Right. But, um, we'll let everybody know and, and uh, enjoy your summer, guys. Yep, same, same here. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Determination comes in many forms, but always starts with a Dunkin' Run. So take your medium or larger coffee in one hand and grab a dollar donut in the other. No matter how you run, Dunkin' Run. A one dollar donut with any medium or larger coffee. Exclude specialty donuts and fancies. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Terms apply. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. 
Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.